Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dally Boys of What Culture. Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Duper, oh! pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. In summary... The What Culture Wrestling Podcast, the recognized symbol of excellence in wrestling podcast entertainment. <laughs> Thank you very much uh, to Jacob Mezzanetti, who sent me that last week. Unfortunately, I received it immediately after we recorded Dynamite Review, and I thought, this is the perfect place for it. He wrote, hi, Adam. Hope you like this JAS-style sting I made for the podcast. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much for that, Thank Jacob. You. Cheers, Jacob. But, but as I said, and it did get a huge bap in the office as well when I played it <laughs> first, uh, but as I said, joined by the Dadly Boys to review the go-home Dynamite ahead of Forbidden Door with some major surprises and some disappointments on it, but maybe potentially leading to more surprises on Sunday as well, Sige. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what to make of all of this to be perfectly <laughs> honest I'm not convinced like look ultimately subjectively did I feel any more hugely hyped for Forbidden Door on Sunday which is what the function the core function of a go home show is meant to do uh, not really things were clarified additional matches were announced or half announced mm -hmm. one of which is going to be incredibly fun but I don't know if I get it I don't know if I should care about getting it um, certain things were just wildly undersold in a way that I just thought, what on earth are you doing? Like, spoiler alert, skip ahead. Shingo Takagi is going to team with Sting. <laughs> they're called Dudes with Attitudes, and it's Stingo. Stingo. And they're called, <laughs> formally, canonically, they are called Dudes with Attitudes. It's incredibly cool. Watching, like, what Nick Jackson and Darby haven't really mixed it up, mm. let alone Nick Jackson and Sting and Shingo and Hiromu. Like, he could do incredible things with all four of those men. And El, El Fantasma, who's just... I've seen him in WCPW, and he's jaw-dropping then, and he's been in Japan since then. Yeah, he's, God knows. El Fantasma's class, like, yeah. he really is. Get all the boys in face paint, get the box back in the Bullet Club gear, make this look yeah. for the night, you know. But at the same time, you've just 
announced, or Derby's just announced, that you've got Shingo, right? Like, Hiromu Takahashi has just won his third Best of the Super Juniors yeah. tournament. Shingo Takagi is a former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He's one of the very best wrestlers on the world. Have the announcers go, Jesus Christ, oh my God. <laughs> Look who we've got on this show. And it was just weirdly undersold. And I don't know, the main event angle was rubbish. But there was some awesome stuff on the show as well. It's just, again, typic- typically uneven. Yes. Things I love. I've got a love-hate relationship with AEW right now. And a love-hate, fierce in both directions. Well, and completely understandable too, because you can love one segment and then hate the very next one. That's just how these shows go. I've put it in summary in my ups and downs, which comes soon to whatculture.com forward slash WWE, because I've just finished writing it, and yet I still feel like I've forgotten half of it, like until after we've re- finished recording, that this show had one awesome surprise, one fantastic promo, and yet failed to build two shows, <laughs> effectively. That's, that's AEW in a nutshell. It remains... Like horrifically unfocused to the detriment of loads of wrestlers and loads of programs and loads of fan enjoyment. Um, the thing I'm going to praise the most on this in this review, as and when we get to it, is to me um, the kind of also the biggest indictment about AEW's product at large at the moment. It's the the thing is like just jump ahead quickly. It's Christian Cage's promo. We're all going to praise it. I'm sure it's been getting sort of universal, sure, uh, universal, <laughs> universal praise online but i think even upon reading some of the praise i still think a lot of people are misunderstanding not misunderstanding why they loved it i'm not trying to like impose my feelings on their feelings but i just think why this promo was getting praised was for its delivery whereas i feel like it was what it represented that we're just not getting enough of out of Mm. AEW at the moment and that feeling is not clear to people and it's just I don't know. It's it's really hard because we review this every week and you do review it with feelings and you review it with the way that the show's supposed to make you feel about, in this case, of Endora and about Blood and Guts and about just the angles and the wrestlers in general. Um, stuff can be good. It's still a, you know, still a gold standard for pro wrestling. AEW it is. Mm-hmm. But just in patches rather than a, across the show. And that's a very strange thing to try and analyse. Is one of the ups in your article Matt Rain's making a fool of himself on social media? No, but I wish it was. What's he done? Uh, he Stupid tweeted, idiot. to segue nicely into the start of this review, uh, he tweeted, zero chance Danielson is opening the show to tell this red-hot crowd he can't wrestle Sunday. So let's find out what Danielson had to say. <laughs> <laughs> he came out, I'm joking, Matt Reigns, of course, but he uh, came down. i Stupid idiot. Tony Schiavone in the ring, uh, and Danielson says, I'm going to take this mic and not give it back, so you can piss off, basically, Tony. Uh, he said, it's a great week to be an AEW fan, and by extension, a professional wrestling fan. We're going to see some excellent professional wrestling on Sunday, and a bloody spectacle next week. Um, he would uh, have loved to have been a part of it. He told us about you know, Chris Jericho paying Zack Sabre Jr. to challenge him. Um, where Why did Jer- Jericho have to do that? Yeah. Why couldn't Brian? Why couldn't Zack Saber Junior. just say, "Look, there's been a massive philosoph- philosophical debate for years and years and years about who the actual best technical wrestler in the planet is." Zack Saber Junior. could have come out and said, "We squandered some of your best years doing, you know, sports entertainment." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now you're back in AW and you suddenly think you're better than me, despite the fact that I've done more with this legacy. Why did Chris Jericho have to pay him? Yeah. Why? <laughs> For a, why for Two a minutes ma- into the reveal of it. Why for a match that didn't happen, do they have to attach this unwieldy North American episodic TV yeah. device onto something that isn't even happening? Yeah. Jesus Christ, is it not enough for the best technical wrestler from one promotion, which prizes professional wrestling as an actual art, 
to challenge the best professional wrestler technically in another promotion that prizes professional pure wrestling as an art and just say, who's the best? I've literally... Is, why does Chris Jericho have to do a Mid-South Ransom over the head of Brian Danielson? I know they're going to promote blood and guts. I remember a few weeks ago, they, they still hate each other. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I refer to this. Keep it simple, stupid. If you want a, a reason for it, we talked about this yesterday. I've just given you one. But as in, like, he can come out and say, I've won this award named after you in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, more than you have, and you've just broken my streak that I and had. And I can't sanction yeah. that. They should have renamed it after me, and yet, you know, it's it's somehow now this, he would say it's an injustice that Brian has come back and reclaimed this. I, can't, I couldn't believe my fucking ears when they said that. Why does Chris Jericho have to pay Zack Sabre Jr. this? In this specific promo as well, based on what it was exactly, Brian was... Sorry, we've trampled over your recap here, Wilbon, but That's based fine. on what Brian was sent out to do here, I think this was wrestling's first ever going-home promo. Setting up Sunday's pay-per-view with a match that wasn't going to happen as the rest said, well, I'm injured, so I'm away for a bit. Like, Sidgwick rightfully pointed this out on the podcast, and then you tweeted it as well, I think, about how like, this is a disaster of an idea, and that's what they did. That is what they did. Like, hi guys, bet you're all looking forward to the match. Can't have it, see you later. Like, what's what's the problem, Brian? Because we've, you know, like, all of us have got these inbuilt concerns about that head of yours, and for that matter, like the rest of your body, uh, you can speed read and you can still run. Cool. Do you want to be a bit clearer on what the problems are? No? Great. Right, that's, like, allowed me to worry a little bit more as well and, like, express a bit of concern for when it is exactly you're going to be back. Got a wrestler for the weekend, have it? Like, this entire thing, this entire segment should have been a tweet. Yeah, it should have been a tweet because not only I've spent like a little bit of time idly thinking, oh, I really hope. Like, it's the hope that kills you. I mm. really hope that. There would, I knew it wasn't a work instantly, right? Because why would you, for 48 hours, work a situation where people are concerned about Brian Danielson's well being? You're meant to work people into excitement or mm. drama or mystery, not anxiety for 48 hours, whether your favorite match on the card is going to happen. My God, this is completely and utterly useless. Uh, he said, at Forbidden Door, ja uh, Jack Sabre Jr., who's that? <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. wanted to preview the best technical in the world, whilst Danielson wanted to crush his trachea, but it's not going to happen. He's got some good news, he's got some bad news. What a line. Save that for the actual go-home promo. Like yeah. You are building a match that cannot happen as you prepare to leave television for a while. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, uh, good news, bad news, he said. Bad news is because of uh, Jericho's crew in the Anarchy Arena. Uh, he is not clear to compete at Forbidden Door or Blood and Guts next week. Uh, but he's going to be back, as, as Hamlet mentioned. He's, he's fine. He can read 500 words a minute. He can run two miles and not break a sweat. His mind is working at full speed. So there's some really... Breaking a sweat. <laughs> Gonna steal, we might as well steal from the best, I suppose. But uh, for in terms of the future for Forbidden Door, he has found the one person to take his place uh, for Forbidden Door and Bullet Guts, I should say, who can be technical and violent. He's gonna astound you. And he pauses, and there's the, the hoo hoo. And he says, uh, Come on, I came out of the bad guy tunnel, I'm not gonna tell you. Tune in on Sunday, you'll see the best technical match of your lives. Uh, and he goes to leave, and out comes Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> Uh, to yell at him from the ramp with no, no microphone. This is so stupid as well. Like, this was the point where I was like, you should have just left the forbidden door shut. Like, the, the more it opens up, the less I want to see people walking through it. Imagine being sent out there to do nothing. Zack Sabre Jr. can do two things really well, right? Cut these, like, quite witty, funny, cockshaw promos and just put on a wrestling masterclass. Imagine you have 60 seconds of him on television and he gets to do literally neither of them. Like, and 
unbelievable misfire of an opening segment this was, not least because it had Dynamite stray from its typical format of the hot opener, and thus, in my opinion, undermined what was like quite a good opener that never got yeah. the chance to really be great. Um, because they probably assumed that Brian would be a ratings winner to open the show with, you know. Uh, what a dreadful presentation of Zack Sabre Jr. You'd have been better off having, like, announced that there's going to be a mystery opponent for Zack on Sunday, having last week played the video of the promo he cut to try and talk this match yes. into existence in the first place. You've got neither of the two things that Zack Sabre Jr. can do really well. And I'm not suggesting that this show needs... this episode. What this episode didn't need to do, because I don't want to be misconstrued here, is do the sort of like crazy exposition of who these New Japan wrestlers are if you're not a New Japan fan. Like this product treats you with more intelligence than that on a weekly basis. So it can at least, it can allow you to infer some things. But I don't think you could infer that from this. If you've never seen what Zack Sabre Jr. can do or, and you've just been told this off another guy and they've done a good job of telling you who this guy is, him coming out and putting his arms out wide like frigging Vince McMahon did on SmackDown last week. <laughs> it's hardly the sales pitch for who ZSJ is. The pay-per-view will do that. I'm fully aware of that. But I, this was just like bollocks on top of bullshit. What a bummer. Exposition can double <laughs> as promotion. If, just in case you don't know, we're not trying to insult you here, here's a minute-long reel of what Sabre Jr. can do using the footage we are allowed to use because <laughs> we are in partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Here's 40 seconds of this master tying people up in knots and reversing literally anything. We will discuss the potential mm. opponents for um, Zack Sabre Jr. at Forbidden Door in another podcast. So check your feeds later this week. Yes. Not to give away any clues, but uh, people should have probably let us in to their feeds. Spoiler alerts. And if you want to pitch anyone you'd like to hear us potentially mention, you can tweet them at us at WhatCultureWWE, at MCDrick, at Michael Hamflet, at Adam Wilborn. Yeah, we'll be talking all about that uh, in, a, in a brief video podcast tomorrow. And we're going to be previewing all of Forbidden Door in the extended version a little bit later on today. So what culture wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, make sure you subscribe. Bit of repetition, but you know, it's fine. Just, just to clarify. Uh, Moxley's backstage talking about uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society. They're going to be uh, locked in with dogs next week. Blood and guts. Kennel from hell. No. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, he's going to take on and in, even before that, team with Hiroshi Tanahashi, the greatest wrestler who ever lived. Um, he says, tonight is just business. Sunday is personal. When that bell rings, he's got no respect for anyone. Right. There was a theme running throughout the show, and I noticed this, and it's, it's AEW's lack of focus writ large. There was this. There was the, and I'm going to cobble them together. I don't have much else to say on the other two. But there was this. There was the Jade Cargill search for a new baddie promo, and there was Sanjay Dutz about yeah. Samojo. Um, oh, I'm talking about that. This was, this was great because it's Moxley. This was rubbish for every other reason. Right, John Moxley's delivery is fa absolutely fantastic, and he makes everything feel real. And like, no matter what fight it is, you will walk with him into that fight because that's John Moxley's incredible ability. Right, uh, everything else was him trying to not make this fake sport feel fake. Like the amount of things he had to do was like one of those WWE game show host Monday Night Raw openings where you've got six things that you need to get to. When they do it, it's because they want to remind the audience of absolutely every single tiny little thing that we've just seen a highlight package of. Mm -hmm. In AEW, ideally, you want you want a, maybe maybe two is fair, right? A, like what who you're wrestling tonight, and a reminder of the big picture storyline because this company is the one that previously has told like long range and big picture stories. Uh, 
here it just felt like right I've got this to do I've got this to do and I've got this to do it's a bit weird that this is my life at the moment isn't it but I'm going to try and make all of this not feel fake and contrived he managed it and yet I still don't think you can get away from that similarly because I'll just cover it now Sanjay Dutt later on in the show doing the exact same thing where he was like Samoa Joe uh, I think we should just give the title to Jay Lethal and I'm thinking well why don't you just make an interim title have another fucking tournament because that's what happens every fucking week on this show and Jade <laughs> Cargill being like having the search for the baddies and then conveniently immediately cuts to the baby faces there fighting and being like ah, one of yours is out of action looks like we've got an advantage in the numbers game it's just like god there is so much absolute nonsense and fluff that they're requiring good talkers to try and talk around on this show I know I'm just going to get to the Sanjay Dutt thing just to get it out of the way um, I can remember when there was a bit of anxiety oh god before the um, the final of the Owen I think Meltzer had reported in the Observer like his sort of presumed lineup for double or nothing and uh, Lethal Joe was on there and a lot of people were like really? <laughs> double or nothing and everyone was a little scared that that was going to make it even longer and worse let's face it and then he got into the to the Owen final that match still hasn't happened <laughs> yeah so I can't be pleased because I just get it over with. Got <laughs> <laughs> a double or nothing, put on rampage or something. I don't really care. Uh, this boxy thing, I've got nothing further to add. He, I have a lot of latitude that I like to extend towards John, and I used all of it <laughs> uh, during this promo. Uh, then we got, yeah, the opener, um, opening match, that is. Will Ospreay and Aussie Open, Mark Davies and Carl Bloody Flitcher um, versus Rapongi Vice, Trent Barrera and Rocky Romero and Orange Cassidy. Just a tease of one of the most, I think it's fair to say, hotly anticipated matches from Sunday. Uh, all I've seen from people is like, what's your favourite match? Because weirdly, despite everything, despite Moxley, Dan Hashi, people are like, I really want to see Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. And this was a bit of a tease for it. So I do too. I'm not so sure that is there, the, the common take, you know. There I'm isn't not, one. No, I'm not sure there is like a hive mind take on this match. Will Ospreay, like, I don't want to spend a lot of time. I think people are up for it. I want to clarify. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. think there's one particular match that everyone's most excited for. What does yeah. that tell you? Well, AEW sexuals. So, <laughs> so I, I never want to spend too long personally putting over Billy No Brains. See, that was something else actually. Sid Junior said it was really funny one time. He's got a great patter. Um, he used to have it on Twitter, but he forgot his password. Yeah, he forgot his password. Um, so it's it's one of them things with Osprey where the main mention of him being involved in this card throws up a ton of potential dream matches, and you could apply that to most of this card, unfortunately, but. I think a lot of people have kind of received Orange Cassidy as, oh, this is AW pissing about. This is an AW piss about match rather than who's a super technical worker. That, like, and Nick Jackson, off the top of my head, like, oh, Nick Jackson versus Will Ospreay. Imagine that. Look at that. Like, that's that's what you can do with Will Ospreay. And there's tons of them guys on the roster. And instead, they've gone with Orange Cassidy, which too many people receive as a gimmick rather than what you can unleash. And if you've pack Orange yeah. Cassidy as a template, right? It's the perfect template for how well this is going to work on the night. So I'm not sure that they're, I'm not sure is the hype is maybe there as universally as perhaps we would think. And I think it got in the way of this match as well. I think it gave this match a distinctly mid-card flavour as a result, rather than feeling like one of New Japan's very, very top guys versus somebody that used to be considered an AEW homegrown star. Do the recap before I disagree vehemently. Okay. Carl <laughs> uh, Fletcher, Rocky Romero start us off, then comes uh, Mark Davis and Trent Barretta. Uh, and when Orange Cassidy comes in, he does his, he does his hands-in-pocket stuff that pisses off Mark Davis. Um... They get rid of the whole of uh, United Empire, go for dives, but Empire take control out on the outside, a load of apron attacks simultaneously. Um, Trent fights off both of Aussie Open after a break. Uh, Orange Cassidy gets the tag and hits those weak kicks of his, I think, to both Carl Fletcher and, and Mark Davis. I remember that was right a right lovely me. twist before I forget to say it. Like, do not on both big lads mm. was like, get in. Yeah, 
Orange, you know what you're doing, lad. <laughs> Double Hurricane Rana followed. Uh, Aussie Open get dispatched with an Escalera and a Tornado DDT. Uh, and then they all take him out with dives over the top rope to the outside. Uh, Orange does his lazy elbow drop to get a two count on Osprey. Osprey dodges the Orange punch, reverses a DDT into that backflip inseguri of his. Uh, Orange flips it around into a stunner. Uh, in comes Mark Davis and Rocky Romero. Uh, he hits Rocky with a huge chop, and then they do that combo spine buster for a near fall as well. Then comes the parade of huge moves from all of them. Uh, Rapongi Rapongi Vice double knees finishes all that. Trent goes for strong zero. Osprey cuts it off. Davis hits that lifting pile driver of his. That gets it near fall, but Orange dives in to break up the pin. Uh, Orange dodges the uh, Suzuki special from Will Osprey. Osprey takes a dive from Rocky. Trent fights off both of Aussie Open once again. Hits Orange for the tag. Orange comes in. Orange punch on Mark Davis. One, two, three. Post-match, the rest of United Empire. Uh, the tag champs, Jeff Cobb and Great O'Connor come out. It looks like you know the, the five of them are going to use the numbers advantage to kill the rest of them. But... Who should come to the, uh, the rescue of Orange and his boys? But FTR, there's no brawl. There's just a, a mean standoff ahead of just everyone fighting each other on Sunday. Uh, I thought this match was class. Um, Orange Cassidy is a perfect opponent for Will Ospreay in a way that they haven't explored in the story. I touched on it yesterday. I'm going to try and say something for the preview. But their physical chemistry here was absolutely great. I've seen... Um, Cassidy do like backpack stunners to wrestlers before and he can kind of, he doesn't telegraph it but you can see yeah. a couple of seconds away that he's going to do it. It completely took me by surprise Same. when he did it. He was like, oh my god. And I was like, go on Orange, get him, get that thick nasty idiot that Will Ospreay <laughs> is. Get him, get him, get him. So they've got this perfect face heel divide. They work perfectly together. The best thing about this is, is we've discussed it before as being a spiritual sequel to Orange Cassidy versus Pac, where I'm not saying that Will Ospreay is necessarily a better wrestler than Pac, but by express like design, he is more spectacular. Like Pac reigns it in as part of his character a little bit. But we've seen the novelty of Orange Cassidy being able to level up to these sort of state-of-the-art incredible wrestlers. Will Ospreay is kind of the state of the art professional wrestler at this point. So you're going to get more out of Cassidy than we got against Pac, like even more. Mm -hmm. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And I think they measured the the brief glimpse of it absolutely perfectly here. And one of Ozio's, one of Ozio opened at a pile driver here, which is one of the most scary things I've ever seen. <laughs> and then when I realized no one broke their neck and no one, and everyone was in full control of the spot, their four became one of the most impressive pile drivers mm -hmm. I've ever seen. Um, it was a nice little trios match in and around those spots that I've highlighted where it was all just quite hot and well-paced and I got a lot out of this. I thought it was pretty good, but I was just down, really, really down on the booking. Will Ospreay is going to win on Sunday. I mean, if only so he can retain his prestigious uh, IWGP United States title. That, that he never wore. Was that belt? Was that <laughs> belt? But like, uh, he's going to win on, on Sunday and that's fine. But his AW record is thus going to be two and two. They've 50 booked, Will, uh, 50, 50 booked Will Ospreay. And that is a, from a legacy, from a booking legacy point of view, if six months down the road, this is all he's done. And that's the, that's the, one of the prevailing takeaways is how Will Ospreay came to AEW and they 50, 50 booked him. I, I just think that a lot on this show was very reflective of where AEW is at at the moment. And it, like, it crystallized a lot of AEW's problems in a way that I think all of us collectively 
I don't mean just us on the podcast. I think if you look on Twitter, some of the arguments that are being had is a bunch of people trying to, as best they can, and in good faith, articulate some of their problems with AEW. Mm. And then a lot of people very angrily defending it and like piling in. And I feel like that's where most of the divisiveness and like is within the discourse. It was summed up a lot on this show because it, I, I liked the match but didn't love it. And that was the reason why I was just like, I kind of grumbling a bit again at Aussie Open being used as these people to lose in Will Ospreay matches because... Great O'Khan um, and uh, Jeff, Jeff Cobb, Cobb, Cobb yeah. can't because they're the champions in this super contrived three-way. Yeah. Like, they could have wrestled with Boss Bray as well, but they can't, can they? Because they can't get beat because then that otherwise undermines the match that you've got for the pay-per-view. And Trent might put himself through a table again. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trent getting loads of wins in order to sort of, I guess, I don't know validate them after the fact is this idea that like well who's going to be in this town when you got out of here like that old school thing of like Manjamba. you got you got to remember who's there every week do you can't you just like book this weird cool collision of stars ftr i know they're baby faces now and there's there's an honor to making the save on the night and all that. like that's that's kind of where their characters are at the moment so i can sort of give that a pass but it still feels like a contrivance that they've been dragged into the best friends chaos orbit for the benefit of a match when what they want is the belts well, the one thing they've made clear from their involvement in any of this is that they want all the title belts they can get because they believe they're the best tag team in the world. It doesn't really factor into saving best friends, does it? It's just quite helpful and fake. <laughs> yeah. Dax, I was going to try and do some kind of Bob Holly thing with Dax and Cash's names. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get my head around it. Uh, yeah, the book is done great. There's a natural 50-50, which is an expected political byproduct of co-promotion, cool but reserve it for... People who aren't on the star power level yeah. as Will Ospreay. Yeah. I wouldn't have had him lose any matches. It sort of feels like in Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi, New Japan, in in what we've witnessed to be the end of like Gato's golden era as a booker, have become stars nonetheless. Yes. Like with clap crowds, difficult situations, they've become two stars out of this particular area of New Japan. You've had one guy come on television and go 50-50. You've had the other not appear at all. Mm. There had to have been a compromise in there where both could have just shone. Mm. We could, then we could see if Shane really could go. Jay Lee from Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh promo. We've already talked Dead. about it. Uh, uh, let's <laughs> talk instead about the promo that came next. I mean, yeah. It's time for Christian Cage to come out dressed as Adam Nicholas. Uh, <laughs> it's Adam Nicholas. You want to see that comparison on Twitter? Um, Tony Schiavone is in the ring waiting for him. He asks Christian to explain himself after his uh, brutal attack and betrayal of Jun- Jungle Boy last week. Uh, huge booze. Tells Milwaukee to shut up so they can hear what he's got to say. There was a bit where I thought, is he going to leave and not talk? Because he's like, no, you don't deserve it. Anyway, um, and he did, as we've called, uh, pick up on the fact that Jungle Boy was the one who eliminated him from the Casino Battle Royale last, last year, and the crowd popped for it. He was furious about that. Um, he deserves better. Jungle Boy cost him a bonus, cost him a world title shot. There was a shut the flip up chant at this point, uh, and he makes fun of people tweeting all about it like they know what goes on. <laughs> uh, he said, "Look, I saw uh, I saw potential in Jungle Boy, and that's why I decided to hitch my wagon to him and cash a check. <laughs> Made loads of money. I didn't have to do anything." Um, he said, "Look, I'm not here to elevate young talent. I'm here, you know, I'm here to to look after myself. To, like I say, to cash a check. And anyone here who is there to elevate young talent, why don't you try having a match that people remember next week? Although oh, a bit close to the bone there, but okay. Um, he uh, he addressed Jungle Boy. He said, "Look, I was there for you. I was your mentor, blah blah blah." And the one time 
I don't give you pre-match advice. You lose and you lose the tag titles. Uh, and uh, Tony's like, um, speaking of social media, actually, you mentioned it earlier. Let's see this clip of you calling Jungle Boy's mom. Uh, sorry, saying to Jungle Boy's mom, you bet raised a piece of shit, basically. Uh, which I was glad they re-showed because it pops me every time I see yeah. it. Because his sister's there. His sister flips him off, doesn't he? And Jungle Boy's mom like, she's just like, go away. And he's like, <laughs> you raised a piece of shit. And he says it like three <laughs> times just to really hammer it home. Uh, and he said, look, he said, look, Hey, I was asking questions here. I was just giving Jungle Boy's mom the chance to apologise for giving birth to him. <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, she's a little bit sweet on me, you know. <laughs> and like, he said Christian Cage as well, third person. <laughs> it's always a huge bed. <laughs> um, Jungle Boy, you may want a father figure, but your father's dead. He went there uh, and he said, enjoy, enjoy your retirement at 25. Um, and uh, he's about to go on. When Tarzan Boy hits and out comes Luchasaurus, Christian starts begging off already like a little bitch. And uh, Luchasaurus gets in the ring, starts choking him, and and, and Christian's trying to trying to explain things away, trying to justify, trying to get out of this. Um, and he says, hey, let's talk about this. Remember what happened to Marco? You're like a son to me. And he whispers something to Luchasaurus, gives him a hug. And there's just that great shot that you've seen all over social media of his, his face smushed up against Luchasaurus. I think, did he wink as well as they were leaving the ring? Did he little turn to the whole camera wink? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they leave together. Your thoughts on all this? Uh, this is tremendous and exceptional. I call me biased. when Christian. I've been taught how much I've loved Christian Cage throughout this year. When he says verbatim, each and every one of you. He it, did, didn't he? I forgot to mention that. It doesn't that. become a cliche somehow because I go on Twitter every day and the each and every you, each and every one of you promo has never been more justified, has it? No. Squared circle as well. Little dickheads. <laughs> each and every one of them deserve an absolute verbal scathing evisceration. Tongue lashing in the tongue words of lashing William, William Regal. From Christian Cage here. He was incredible. Um, he told the story perfectly. He outlined his motivations. The thing I was most impressed with, right? Cheap heat has to be goddamn good to be worth it. The delivery here was great. He actually went there. It did feel like a transgression and not just something that you say. This was perfect because not only did he say that, not only did he generate the reaction, not only did it completely deepen the heft of this program, which was already hugely over given the reaction that Christian Cage received here, it added, in retrospect, to the heft of the story yeah. overall. I'd never once grasped, and this is a failure of mine, but well done for adding this aspect to the story. I've never once thought, Jesus Christ, of course, Jungle Boy, who's probably grown up loving watching Christian Cage mm -hmm. wrestle and all the rest of it, that's one of the reasons why he's looked up to him so much, and that's why they bonded. Oh, my God. That is genuinely an incredible tweak in retrospect to add heft to this story. So absolutely, undoubtedly, 100%, if you're going to go there, do it for this reason. Um, he was just great. Christian Cage is like my favorite heel of the year, not named Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And I like the bit, like you say, there's the father figure stuff, because you're completely right, and I had the same revelation as you there. I also like the bit that he sort of walked us near it beforehand. So he went the the mother route, obviously, they showed the footage. And all you're thinking is, all right, yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, say what you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, she's, she's, say she's a horrible person, but don't talk about his dad. And then he goes there. Because I think you and I said, and you've said as well on, on other podcasts, the concern for us is, 
He's going to come out and like he did here, explain everything, justify the sort of long form process of it all. But all this other stuff, forbidden door or blood and guts related is going to happen. And you're going to go, I'm going to sit here next week and go, oh yeah, remember Christian Cage came out last week. This, despite being despicable, appropriately despicable, made sure you remembered this. Like when I was making my notes for this, for example, I was like, we've got to talk about the Christian Cage promo, arguably, you know, at the same level of talking about Brian Danielson and bloody Kazuchika Okada, because it was such, such a memorable moment on this show. Oh, greatly, man. Best thing on the show. Cedric said it was a failure of you to pick it up. I disagree. I think it's the success of AEW that we used to highlight in nearly all of their programs that we would predict a thing and then they would come up with something better. Yeah. This was, this was great for all the reasons you guys have just outlined and you only need to watch it to appreciate the content, the delivery. Christian has done this time and time again in his career. He's brilliant at this character. Um, it's much like his wrestling. He has shown you loads and loads of evidence of why he is beloved and yet is still underrated at all the things he's great at, right? Because he's done this at every stage in his career. This was just, it was so alarming to me as they outlined a story that they put in place a year ago that they followed and kept up with and timed the payoff to absolute perfection, how this is now representative of about 10% of AEW's output instead of the 90% it used to be. Mm. I made that joke last year and the year before that AEW seemed to have that one housemate that nobody really liked, and it just meant that all sort of hatred could be channeled towards that one housemate <laughs> to ensure that there was no other little petty like gripes coming up elsewhere because it's like, oh, we just don't like that one person. Mahardy. Mahardy. <laughs> uh, the Codyverse. You couldn't even stop containing <laughs> The Codyverse. It was looking like it was going to be Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti, and then gradually what's happened is is that you start looking for the really good stuff instead. Mm. It's flipped the other way, and that's such a shame and so dangerous, and it can flip back, and things can get good again. But what I think the majority of people felt was just what AEW used to make you feel in 90% of the output, which was just them carefully crafting these stories, having wrestling matches be an important part of it, but ultimately good booking, you know, good stories and good booking playing out. It trumps everything. Good booking always trumps everything in pro wrestling. You know, the best, best matches. The Revolution tag match is as great as it is because of all the booking wrapped around it. You know, it's, it's a fantastic tag match. But the Young Bucks... They haven't got that in the pocket every week, but they've got something pretty close to it in the pocket every single week, but the booking is what makes all the difference. And that was what made the difference here. That's what elevated this. That's why it's a talking point mm. on the level of how much time we would normally spend on an e like one of those classic MJFC and Punk epics that we yeah. were doing at the time. And it just, I don't know, I, I, loved, I loved the bones of this. Um, and yet I felt a little bit sad. I was like, this is the standard. Here, here it is, right? Yeah. Laid bare. When we talk about standards, this is the standard. Almost nothing else on this card, and you consider they're building to a pay-per-view, huge dynamite next week, nothing touched this. And it's because it, a lot of it feels forced, a lot of it feels a bit fake, a lot of it feels about a month old. They feel like feuds that are not really feuds. You know, you at the moment, you're in a pattern of, I've done it on Twitter today, I've got myself in bother with some like New Japan hardcores, but this idea of Okada regaining the belt on Sunday just so you can have Kenny Omega come out and face, and that's me fantasy booking something because Paige and Cole are on the outside, and maybe they've thought enough to have the people that Kenny's most related to be ringside as he makes his return, you know. But that's me trying to pull stuff out of what has felt fairly mm. haphazard and rushed. This Christian Cage stuff isn't haphazard and rushed, it's exactly what we saw, and then they've peppered more details in the outwork, everything, outwork everyone becoming working everybody. Oh, him, t -shirt there. him awesome. going full Kevin Nash about the money in the miles and the idea that he came. Like, this plays on a criticism of AEW, of guy, too many ex-WWE guys coming in and just being able to take a payday. Christian, 
did it and tried to do it, and then he's found himself having to actually GD wrestle. It's like, right, well, I guess I'll like have a shortcut to the top and win a battle royal. And then he can't even do that. So Jungle Royal has derailed his, like, like what did he do on his first night in AEW? Not the, like, I'm here. He picked up the AEW title. He told us, he, he like, and I was critical of that. I was like, oh, God, like a TNA guy coming in, you know, I'm here from WWE, I'm going to win the belt. But that even that has been proven, mm-hmm. like, sort of, to make storyline sense. He didn't want to piss about. He wanted to make the money and get the belt. And Jungle Boy has frigging derailed that, and it sat with him for a year. The one thing I want them to do now, and I believe there's story to this, is get there quicker on the Marco stunt detail that was dropped in here with Leechosaurus and whatever it is that, like, we used to see, like, Abyss in TNA get control. The corporation used to take control of Kane. You can you can have where, like, a, a heel manages a monster for a bit, and they might do that here with um, Leechosaurus. And Christian Cage was always great with uh, Tyson Tomko as his heater as well. So Leechosaurus... I was about to say, do you think he whispered Tyson Tomko? Well, Leechosaurus as his heater is just interesting. Like, whatever is going to draw them together now is interesting. The Marco stuff you've got to be careful with because... Christian, as a character, says, remember what happened to Marco? And me, a fan, remembers what happened to Marco. Tony Khan ghosted him and he got released. Or he, his contract wasn't renewed. That's what happened to Marco. So you've got to draw that into story. I thought he was going to get him on The Voice. Well, <laughs> you've got to be careful with that because it, you run the risk of it veering into Liv Morgan saying, hey, Becky Lynch, your wage is why my friend doesn't have jobs. Like, no, it doesn't. That's not, that's no, not. They've got millions and millions. That's, and millions. that's not real. <laughs> that's, millions. Yeah. So I, I hope there's a good story to follow yeah. up because otherwise that starts to feel a bit flippant. Rest of this. This is AEW. The rest of this dynamite wasn't really AEW, but this was. Mm. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right, the Young Bucks and Cool Gal O'Reilly are backstage. Um, they say, look, everything's right in the world now. We're champs again, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they announced they are going to be on for Bindor. Um, I think Carl O'Reilly, did Carl O'Reilly say he wasn't medically cleared or something like that? He's, he's pissed off at what's happened with Sting, though. Uh, and they reveal uh, that Sting, quote, and his cronies uh, at Forbindor are going to face the team of the Young Bucks, Hikuleo and the brilliant El Fantasmo. More WCPW guys being added. 
shaping up to be a good show. No offence, right? Because I think he's kind of impressed and he's clearly a project. And I understand that bookers want to get projects over. But when I heard that on Busted Open, of course, <laughs> Tony Khan had said, we're going to do like four, which was misheard apparently as more, but more forbidden door matches will be announced. When the second New Japan wrestler named was Hikaleo, I was like, Jesus Christ. Then this match becomes awesome. This match can be incredible, by the way. Like, genuinely, you don't know how incredible it's going to be. Incredible. Um, but I was a little bit miffed at this point in the show before it all got a bit better. Yeah, should we do it together, actually? Might as well do it yeah, now together. Because yeah, yeah. later on in the show, uh, after Tony Storm versus Marina Shafir, um, Darby Allen and Sting were backstage. Uh, Darby says he doesn't think Kyler Riley isn't medically cleared. He's just scared. Um, but they've brought some crazies of their own for that eight-man at Forbindor. It is uh, going to be Sting, Darby Allen. Shingo and Hiromu Takahashi, uh, and it's going to be showtime at Forbidden Door. Yeah. It's... I immediately thought of you the moment he said Shingo, obviously. Yeah, like they should have completely sold Shingo more, um, but that's by the by. He's going to show you why they should have put him over more on Sunday. He's just the absolute best. He's He's got the best rope run you'll ever see. If you've never seen Shingo, like you're in for an absolute I don't think I actually have. I seen online. Shingo? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, have you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I just don't think so. Like, and I, I, I'm guilty of, of this all the time. As I, I should watch more New Japan, and you, you know, heap praise on it. Not just now, but in terms of like legacy stuff. And I don't think I've ever gone back and watched. You should a, watch Shingo match. So maybe Sunday. I recommend one for you. When New yeah. Japan was still operating at close to peak, he was uh, mainly in the juniors division, and he's just built like a tank. The <laughs> uh, best of Super Juniors final with Osprey was twenty nineteen. Yeah. yeah, oh my god, yeah. oh my god. Like, like when you see like uh, you know a kid, one of those kids who've just like far too big for their year playing rugby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, well, join us on Sunday. Uh, I will try and watch the Shingo match uh, in preparation that you send me, Sige. But join us on Sunday uh, for the live stream and uh, and watch Shingo with us, potentially, mm-hmm. for the first time. What Culture Wrestling on YouTube, of course. But yeah, all I can think of is you with, with Takahashi and Shingo being added. Absolutely. They should have just really put the way, wow, we've got these guys. What I like about this match as well, I'll tell you about in the preview because we're probably going to go live. <laughs> okay. Anything you want to say about this? Uh, no, I just I wish it, Forbidden Door in general had been more this... From the beginning, I wish that, like, this match took zero setting up, realistically, didn't it? Like, Kyle O'Reilly is selling injured wows from Rampage, like, and they've managed to craft an eight-man tag that doesn't even feature him as a result of Sting hitting him with a bat. Like, you could have, this is the sort of stuff where you could have dropped graphics really early on and made, a like, just built a load of anticipation instead of feeling the need to try and tell stories to get us mm. to this card. This is reflective of kind of where the where this card should have been from the beginning. Yep. Time for the uh, All-Atlantic Championship qualifier who will join Miro, Pack, and Tomohiro Ishii on Sunday in that four-way. It was Penta Oscuro uh, versus Malakai Black. Um, they just obviously have got a bit of a storied history, these guys together, so they just start brawling straight away. Penta hits a thrust kick. Uh, Black goes for a dive, uh, but he counters that and hits a tope of his own. Uh, Penta hits a backstabber to get a two-count butt. I think this was the point in the match where it seemed like he'd hurt his back uh, on the dive, and that would play into the match a little bit later on. Uh, sling blade from Penta, but then uh, B- Black baits him out to the floor and trips him up on the apron, takes control, takes us to a break. When we come back, they're fighting on the apron. Penta wants the Penta driver, but Black fights out of it. Penta gets out of the way of a heel kick. He hits an Inseguri, hits a rolling cutter. That gets a near fall as well. Um, an Orihara moonsault from Black, followed by a top rope, Double stomp gets him a two count. Uh, 
Black goes up top. Penta cuts him off, though, and hits an avalanche fear factor, uh, which both men sell like death, understandably. When Penta finally makes it over to the pin, Black can just get his foot onto the ropes to break it up. Penta goes for a follow-up to that, but his back gives out, and Black hits the heel kick out of nowhere for the one, two, three. Post-match, Pat comes down to have a face-off with Black, and Miro appears on the screen. And basically says, I'm going to kill all of you so you can tell God from me that I'm coming for him. <laughs> coming for him. So it is going to be Pac, Miro, Malachi Black and Tomohiro Ishii, as we called. Yes, absolutely. I don't think it was a particularly like bold call, but we did call it. I think a lot of people did. I'm not taking a victory lap on that. I will do on various other things, of course. <laughs> yeah. No shame. I liked one of Miro's lines more than the actual match itself. For whatever reason, there were some really cool spots in it, um, but I just didn't feel that click of this is awesome, I'm locked in, I can't take my eyes off it, my heart um, rate is accelerating as the, the speed of the action is. And they did, I just, I just didn't really feel like this was an amazing match. thought it was good to very good, but I wasn't like mad keen on it, and I don't know why that was. There's a few wonky-ish sequences that you can sometimes get from Penta, where sometimes he's not, his timing isn't so bob on. When you work an ambitious style like he does, when the timing's not perfect, it can feel a little bit glaring. Um, Miro calling Malachi Black a pagan <laughs> is my favorite thing, I think, of all time this week. It's given, it's so consistent with his, like, sort of... What's that God-fearing character? Like, God fears Miro or whatever. Like, yeah, he was God-fearing. Now yeah. he, he thinks himself as a god. He could deck God. Calling Malachi Black the Pagan is the best thing <laughs> ever. I love it so much, and I pop for that. Uh, I'm going to tell you why this match is going to be awesome on the preview and why it's going to be better than this match between um, Penta and Malachi. Also, shout out to Big Mike, no, not that one, on Twitter, who I read this tweet today. I forgot to include it in the Twitter questions on the news. He pitched uh, Julia Hart um, as the Alex Abrahantes of the House of Black. And I was like, what? But he said... When Malachi talks rubbish, she can say, Malachi means, and just explain it all. <laughs> I was like, that's a genius move, that. So shout out to her. Penta big... says Malachi means. Yeah. That's <laughs> incredible. It's really good. Uh, but what did you make of all this, uh, Hamlet? Mostly the same as Sidgwick. I thought this was good, never great. I'll, the, the work was good enough from these two, but again, it didn't reach the peak of what we've seen in the multi-man matches which is maybe an unfair expectation because there is just more of them and there's, you don't really get... I think you don't get a chance to catch your breath in those matches, so sometimes we're probably... We're not overrating the spots. They're incredible. But it just goes bang, 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 bang that you've... Like, one might sort of almost, like, sneak in, whereas without that, there had to be breaks in play a little bit in the singles match. Um, I do like watching Malachi Black when he feels like he can be super hard-hitting, and he certainly does against Penta. Penta is a guy that will give his body to the cause, or in this case, no cause at all, because I thought this match was an achievement more than anything else. It was There was zero stakes, because nobody gives a toss about the All-Atlantic title. It was wholly predictable, because Penta's pretty much out and out of said, or Andrade did, and you can thus apply that to other wrestlers. Well, we cannot work the show. So there was no doubt who was going to win the match. So in that sense, it was an achievement that they kind of like extracted any drama from this whatsoever. And yeah, like I say, I think Malachi, Dra Malachi Black did it by hitting so hard and Penta did it by being like, well, I will make this look as good as I possibly that avalanche can. Avalanche fear factor. Ooh. Let's kill each other for it, you know? So I, I was kind of impressed by them both then. Miro's pagan line, he has done this over and over again. Man's a poet. He, is. he finds the words 100% of the time that apply to this individual match he's trying to build. 
he's incredible. I, I don't care about this belt, but I can't wait for him to win it and see if he can elevate it. Yes. Like if any, I kind of trust him more than just about anyone else's company say, to do it. Did he say, am I golden, my girl, or something? There was some nice bit of alliteration in there I liked yeah. as well, yeah. He's brilliant at that. Um... Uh, there's a video promo from Wardlow talking about Wardlow's world, uh, and he's going to welcome Scorpio Sky into it when uh, when he eventually is healed so they can fight for the TNT Championship. And then it was time for Hangman Page uh, versus a bit of a legend from Ring of Honor, Silas Young with uh, Adam Cole Bebe on commentary. Um, bit of a warm-up match, of course, for, for Hangman Page. Well, we didn't know it was a warm-up match, actually, as I say that, until afterwards. It's very <laughs> contrived that had happened, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, very contrived. So... Uh, they uh, the back and forth stuff early on. I love the look of Silas Young, by the way. Mm. As a manic, his moustache I can really appreciate. Um, and he already had a butcher, but whatever. Yeah, granted. Um, there was a brief, brief second when he walked down. I went three hundred wrestlers he needs to cycle through. There was a brief second where he walked down. I went, "Oh, cool, it's the butcher." And then they, I went, "I would have oh, went." Oh, cool, it's the butcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I just thought, and then I was just like, "Wait a second, something's wrong." And then like, Silas Young, I was like, "That's why." Um, so Paige sends Silas Young out to the floor and hits an Orihara moonsault to take us to a break early on, uh, during which. Uh, Young takes over, but once we come back, uh, Page makes his comeback hitting a superplex. He hits the fallaway slam, he kips up, he uh, lariats Young out to the floor, uh, Page hits a plancher, he hits a diving clothesline once they get back inside, that gets him a near fall. Young hits a backbreaker and a nice lariat for a two count as well. Goes for his corner moonsault, but uh, Page avoids it, hits a German, hits the buckshot lariat, one, two, three. Should we, let's do this in two parts because it's all too complicated otherwise. Uh, your thoughts on the match first. I like this match more than the prior match. I like this more than Penta and Malachi Black. Not because the action was quite as full on or as constant, but just because the pairing was so much fresher. Like, I haven't seen these two wrestlers interact before. So I was grateful, if nothing else, I'm being critical of the fact that this roster is too big or there's too many people to cycle through if you include the Ring of Honor guys. And the new, a Ring of Honor guy on a show where you've got to build a pay-per-view between AEW and New Japan. Jesus Christ, what, what are they thinking? I know. But, Silas Young made a good account of himself, and at least they did explain that he's from Wisconsin, right? So the local crowd were going to be kind to him. That was a particularly weird choice that I want to believe is on purpose because there have been some... Hangman Page has been getting some mixed reactions. He was feeding with CM Punk, so of course he's going to get some mixed reactions there. That's kind of continued a little bit, mm. coming off the back of the pay-per-view, where he's, you know, like he was a, he was a bit bitchy, wasn't he? About was not getting, say he's been a not bit getting put in the Battle Royal. Like he, but he had a reason. Justify, I'm on his side, yeah. by the way. But he, he was kind of he was kind of a bit neggy about that. He was almost mirroring MJF's tone towards Tony Khan, wasn't he? That promo that he cut, and then he has this match with a, a hometown favorite where he still got to remain babyface. What I do like about this is Hangman Page has basically lost the title and gone and got back to work. I think mm. I do think they're telling something like a bit longer term with Page here about he's not really licking his wounds. He's got back to business. He's He's probably at some point going to flag up. Hang on, why am I back not number one in the rankings again? I want a title shot with CM Punk. Like this guy that couldn't even stay fit a week with that belt. I've been working ever since and I'm ready for him. And it kind of plays into this criticism he had of Punk in the first place. And so I want to believe that they're going somewhere with this. And it is like, it's Paige, so there's focus on him. And it's just, you, you're not supposed to see it yet, but it's it's the long-term arc for him. Uh, and I think that's why I just, I like the match more because it just felt like a guy that is going out there to work every week and is willing to take on any opponent. And I say that because it was David Finley the last time. So he's like, bring me someone from New Japan. Bring me someone from Ring of Honor. It does not matter. I'll go out there. I'll wrestle every week. I'll get myself back up the rankings. And I'll prove that I'm the world champion elect even when I'm not got a belt around my waist. So I liked a lot of this. Uh, it's just, it, it's still problematic that you've got so many guys in so little time. And Silas Young kind of 
fell into that category as well. Yeah, he's not going to get a deal or anything like that. Um, so it's well, is Ring of Honor going to get one? <laughs> well, I know. Well, I, know. Um, I really, really, really liked this, and I kind of liked it for reasons that I'm not entirely sure they were really working towards or deliberately trying to do. The idea is that the storied history in Ring of Honor, and now Hangman Page has absolutely lapped him in terms of star power, how much money he makes, how good he is as a wrestler, how like his profile and all the rest of it. Silas Young's got this kind of weird... Um, dichotomy about him where nice. he's the real last man and yet he does like kind of like super indie stuff in his <laughs> matches so there is a bit of a dissonance there Um, but he kind of almost failed a couple of spots where he's trying to do this stuff and it just genuinely had a little bit of heft to oh he is the older man who's been lapped and he can't really do it and Hamman Page has really gotten where he wants him so when they did the odd thing that was he just got over the line that execute the final bit of a flip or of a sequence. I just thought it was a real emotional resonance yeah. to this, and I was really, really into it. Um, yeah, good bit of business, this. We've got to talk about what came next, though, because uh, immediately Cole walks out onto the ramp and says, it's time for story time with Adam Cole, baby. Uh, but he gets in immediately interrupted himself by uh, Switchblade Jay White, walks out with the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and says, well, I've been giving a lot of thought to Forbidden Door. Uh, Cole... You can't be a challenger at Forbidden Door because you lost to Hangman Page twice. And he walks down to the ring and he walks and goes face to face with Hangman Page and says, it's not going to be you either. Big brawl breaks out. Cole gets involved. Page sets up for the bookshop and he gets low blows. Uh, and they two beat him down. The two of them beat him down. There's a moment where it looks like Cole picks up the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship and he's going to twat uh, Switchblade with it. But instead, now they hold Page up in position. They're going to take him out. When finally we hear the coin drop and out comes Kazuchika Okada. He walks down, he fights off Switchblade and Cole. Uh, him and Paige stand tall. He's even going to even hit the Rainmaker on Switchblade, but he gets out of it. Uh, Okada's music plays to end the segment. And subsequently, we find out it's going to be a four-way between the four men for the world title on Sunday. So I suppose technically Switchblade was right. He's not going to face Hangman Page or Adam Cole. He's going to face them, face Hangman Page and Adam Cole. Oh, and by the way, Kazuchika Okada. Piss poor. Yeah. This is piss poor. I'm this sorry. Was in your ups and downs, wasn't it? You were talking about this this morning. A major. That, that, that worst kind of, I'm not going to fight you or you. I'm going to fight both of you is the worst kind of ha ha fooled you WWE schlock. Yeah. The worst kind of that. It's this is the worst and most poorly built New Japan Pro Wrestling main event IWGP title match, whatever you want to call it, until um, since they've completely destroyed the G1 climax <laughs> to, to facilitate a two night Wrestle Kingdom. What are they thinking with this? It's so fed. It's um, it was never up to Jay White, and it never was. So why are they dicking around? On my television, say on my, out loud this on week. my time. You don't deserve a shot, and neither you, and here's why. Don't say that bit when you're going to make know, the match anyway. I, know. I can't believe they said it out loud. Oh, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. At the very least, if you're going to do the whole, you know, Adam Wilborn, you're a complete cock, but you're good in the ring. You know that weird <laughs> wrestling thing? Yeah? You're not good in the ring, <laughs> but, but you are a cock, so. Okay, we'll, 50, call it, we'll call 50, it 50 bucket. Or a work shoot, whichever you like. <laughs> um, whichever you like. Yeah, I'll take that. If you're going to do that bit, right, is a thing of, oh, I'm not, yeah, you might have won the own. Remind people that wrestlers are good when you are promoting them in your wrestling promotion. Um, Jay White's got this quality, man, where, like, every now and then I'm thinking, you're amazing and I should invest way more deeply yeah. 
in you than I do. And then you see this version of Jay White, and you think maybe you should have won NXT in, <laughs> in 2019 when it was mooted. Because what, oh, yeah. what are you thinking, mate? That's You're not telling a good story here. You're absolutely not telling a good story. You're not the big prodigy when you're coming out with stuff like this. Build your opponent. Come on, you're meant to be like the... Uh, he's meant to be the 45-year-old the in the 20-year-old's body where it's like he's realised, wouldn't it be awesome if a wrestler was so clever at crafting matches and um, developing his ring psychology and his crowd psychology that... By the time he's in his restless prime, he'll have a mind like no other. That's the big genius mm -hmm. bit about Jay White. And sometimes he doesn't really feel like a genius to me. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with any of that. And it's what I think where this has done sig quite significant damage, I think, to AEW's... The loyalty that AEW fans once had for this brand is that the the inevitable... Once there was a even a mooted relationship between New Japan, the inevitability of the magic of the coin drop was something that all of us were, like committed and encouraged to speculate mm -hmm. on. This was fine. Like, there was a big pop in the building. As Like, I'd been up off my seat if that, if I was in that building. So they got our reaction, but they definitely didn't get the reaction. It wasn't as and good as Andy Murray's booking. No, it wasn't as good as Murray's booking. It wasn't as good as every bit of booking you've seen for the last 12 months about when Okada finally debuts in AEW. Um, and that's on them. Mm -hmm. You know, they, like, they should be grateful for the pop it received because the pop was as a result of Okada's star power not as a result of anything that assembled to maximize it. And again, WWE gets these all the time. Like they they can generate a noise, right? They can bring somebody back or they can like rely on an old star for a raw reunion or whatever. They still people still pop in WWE mm -hmm. shows. Oh yeah. Sometimes you watch a raw and you won't believe that statement because it's just a, you know it's a <laughs> funeral atmosphere. But like people will still pop at WWE shows when the right thing happens or when they just that's why they love their moments so much. It's because it's just about the only thing that like draws an emotion from their audience. AEW is supposed to get it for everything. You know, and this was, they were kind of stealing one here. They were stealing one because Okada's here. It's like the Undertaker's dong going off in a building if people haven't seen him live before. That's that's what this was in terms of your delivery of Okada. It was also a bit of a failure in terms of a television presentation and execution because people came away still not knowing what the main event was. Uh, that would, like, it wasn't until Excalibur's wrap-up. I was going to say, they, they sort of clarified it later, didn't they? Yeah, it wasn't it, here it that it they took said, for the well, wrap-up where you finally knew what your match official. was. I want a little minute on that Escalator wrap-up this week, by oh, the way. Yeah. There's some more I want to talk about with that specifically, but like... Is he all right? Well, you'd hope so, but yeah, it was just... This was, unfortunately, this was every bit as disappointing as it stood a chance of being because we were all low on it in the first place. In the in-depth Forbidden Door preview that we'll record later this afternoon, I'm going to tell you exactly why we might actually see two of the very best four-way matches of all time <laughs> in Forbidden Door, but at the same time, with the possible exception of the main event which they've actively detracted from with the booking, there's not a single match on this card where I'm thinking, oh my God, after two years of these companies being at odds, the relationship was not good at one point. And after like a f over a full year of um, distanced crowds or Austin Gunn or Naewon, New Japan and AEW are finally going to do a co-promoted show. There's not a single match on this card where I'm going to feel I can't believe this one is actually happening. Brian and Kenny on your birthday felt more like worlds collided. Yes, than anything I, on that's this a great show. point. Like I? Brian was WWE for long enough. He was Ring of Honor before that, and Kenny has never been either. He was Ring of Honor like briefly, but like never really been associated with AEW yeah, and, yeah. and New Japan really. 
And that was that as much as that was the and master, DDT. These, be offended yeah. and don't offend Kenny. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the, it wasn't just these two masters coming together for a wrestling. It was these worlds colliding that you just never thought possible. Yeah, the majority of this card should feel like you never thought. The example I gave you earlier on. Like, this is slightly forbidden door preview, but I don't want to just go two footed on that preview. The example I gave you this morning when we came in the office, Wilborn, I was talking about the invasion. Right, a reasonable comparison to make the invasion pay per view that drew a ton of money because of the idea of it. Right, because it certainly wasn't about the card. Right, the inaugural <laughs> ball was a big match. Jeff Hardy versus Rob Van Dam was definitely one of their matches where it was like, yes, that that's you've nailed that. People did not go, oh yes, the APA can finally fight Palumbo and O'Hare. Or like uh, this was the match that I was thinking of. Billy Gunn, Big Show, and Albert <laughs> finally get their hands on Canyon and Sean Stasiak and a guy I've already forgotten. Finally the Nick Patrick Earl Hebner match we've dreamed of. Yeah. That wasn't what it was about. It was, it was the big picture of like, oh, worlds are colliding. doesn't matter who you are. That was the one show where you could absolutely put your WCW t-shirt on and be like, right, they're Team WCW, they're Team WWF, they're going to batter each other. And this card has failed quite profoundly to arrive at yeah. one match that makes you feel that way. Just to circle back to an earlier point, if I'm a cock, do you know what that makes you? You guys. These nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was time for <laughs> Jade Jade Car- Cargill, Stokely out of the way, the baddies. Uh, Red Velvet's injured, wish her well in her recovery. Um, and Stokely said they're looking for a new baddie. Oh, pick me. <laughs> uh, they have to be a top-notch bitch. We arrived at this on Twitter last night before they even said this. It's Shaq. Yes, you did see. I saw it. It's Shaq. He's going to return out the ambulance as a baddie. Yeah. I love it. Tony, cut the sh- uh, and then they cut, like you say, uh, to Chris Statlander and Athena, and um, they m- mock this, oh, this opportunity to become a baddie. So nobody's going to get in their way. And then uh, Athena concludes with, Jade, cut the shit. Babyface is lording over now having a numerical advantage. Cool. It's I two guess. on two. I guess, yeah. I suppose, but the, could, could they not bring Willow Nightingale back in? As an association Wait, they mentioned there. her, didn't they? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that, was like, that was alluded to that they've got Willow as well. What happened to Anna Jay? Yeah, well, she, 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 was, uh, she was in this loose affiliation. She, she lost her best friend to Cax, so she got to do something. She brought her old gimmick back at the paper. Yeah, but no, she was involved in all this. Mm-hmm. Now she's just, oh, yeah. Now she's just off. I quite like top-notch bitch. It's like that, <laughs> I like that collection of words. It's good. Mm. It's like that there's a... What's what I'm looking for? Like, top-notch describes, like, a really good, like, sort of... Six or a four on cricket, oh, I was top notch. Yeah. Putting that next to bitch. Yeah. There's, I like that. Do you know what, as well? Just while I remember, I'm pretty sure we said this on a podcast. So it's a bit of patting ourselves in the back. Uh, if we didn't, I know we were thinking it because I know we talked about it in the office. Um, this might scan as a hot take. I'm not sure. I never thought it was right from the beginning. And I still don't think it now. I don't think Stokely Hathaway and Jade Cargill is the right pairing. There are lots of people on this roster that would benefit from Stokely Hathaway and Jade just because it's like, just because it made sense on paper, I don't think one needs the other. And mm. I don't... Jade Cargill can speak in a way that actively restricts the need for Stokely Hathaway to do so. People really like his promos. Mm-hmm. Give him to somebody that actually needs him because you just... It's like, what is it? Subtraction by addition in both cases. Yeah. And I think you saw that here. Jade Cargill carried this by herself. And if Stokely Hathaway is just standing there again, is that not the problem that like we found with him in NXT all the mm. time? If he's just standing there with a bunch of people that don't need him. You're not getting the best out of him. I've made a horrible mistake here. I forgot about our game. I didn't write down the timing of when the uh, Marine the first woman theme was going to be hit. On. I think it was earlier than we anticipated. Just, I might they, have taken a screenshot. 
they gave us a uh, they gave us a quite a long main event. And obviously, all the fallout mm. from that, and with the ad breaks, I feel like it was probably earlier than both me and Sige anticipated. Ladies' corner. Yes, uh, I'll talk you through the match. I've right. got it. That says the problem. Correct. Correct. One hour, twenty-one minutes, <sighs> and forty-three seconds. Now, Wilborn. Do you remember what we said? I don't remember. I said one hour. Well, I'll write it down because I'm a professional. Yeah. One hour, 29 minutes and 34 seconds. But the winner of today's... We need a name for the game. Why haven't we got... Ladies' time. And this is ladies' night. So we have to do that every single time now for the week. So this, this is, is your time to remember. Otherwise, it's going to be all <laughs> And this is ladies' night, and then one night. So, just to reiterate, I missed the AW 2.0 preview yesterday. So, kind of spilled into that. Yeah. So, we used to play the game when you watch 24 on DVD when right, you're a yeah. student, okay. and it goes ding, 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 ding. It's like 14 minutes. Yeah. And then what? You remember 24 with Bruce Pritchard doing the <laughs> And then, do, 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 do. And then, like, what? Is the time going to be when it returns from adverts? Okay, right. Yeah. And you'd always like when you were a second off, it was ah. Oh, well, <laughs> when you get it right, it's the biggest buzz. So we're going to do that now. For every time you hear the first bit of the the entrance music for the first woman making their appearance for the only singles match, it's a, the joke is it's around about the same time every week. <laughs> so that is the explanation behind the game. Oh, okay. And this, this is, is ladies' night. So that's the game. You've reminded you've just given me a really lovely potent university memory there. We used to play the Hollyoaks game. So Hollyoaks was on, everybody would be around sort of having their tea. And uh, Hollyoaks used to have this habit because the end music would, you'd have the credits and then there'd be this one last scene yes. before their bit at the end where they'd like the wacky music would end. And like Hollyoaks was so totally all over the shop. Some weeks it'd be like, you know, this character falls through the floor. And it's like, he's well, help us have fallen over and dropped all the beer. And other weeks it's like, I'm dealing with really significant trauma and I think you need to call the police. And we'd like, while the credits were rolling, everybody had to pick, right, what storyline from the episode was going to be focused, <laughs> like, focused to be given the big finish? Was that, did you think the MCU got that from Hollyoaks? Not like the, not like the stick around after well, the ads. I, I think the MCU wishes it was artistically as credible as Hollyoaks. I think so as well. <laughs> uh, just one more university thing. I love it, yeah. Before we go, we had a ground, uh, my best mate, Alex, love her. She had the ground floor in our sort of small residence in first year. And, um, Whenever we used to get a takeaway, it would just knock on the door of the front of the building. And then they realized, because one of the drivers went too far down the bank that it was on, that we were just like, she had a window. So for the last month of first year, every takeaway was just like through the window delivered. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to do anything except open it up, cheers, there we go, more 24, in between the wild parties. <laughs> uh, so it's time for Marina Shafia versus Tony Storm. Uh, back and forth early on, Storm gets sent to the floor uh, by Shafia uh, and uh, Nyla Rose, who's for some reason out there, um, nails her with this running sent on when the referee's not looking. Uh, when we come back, Storm hits that headbutt of hers. 
And Shafir just no-sells it and continues to beat her up on the floor. Storm fights back with the Tornado DDT. Um, she hits a German hip attack and then rolls Shafir up for the one, two, three. Post-match, Shafir and Rose beat her up. And then in reverse of what we've seen before, Thunder Rosa runs out to make the save. Uh, Storm uses the belt to dispatch Nyla Rose. And there's the belt and the stare-down and the pay-per-view and what have you. And I'm, I'm just intrigued to know what you both think looking at your faces here. This is like AWX NXT Black and Gold Forbidden Door. <laughs> Not only do you have, well, what's Nyla Rose doing there? Why is she made some real... Got a take on that in a minute. Shafir. You're not going to like it. <laughs> is it a good one? I think it's a reasonable one, but I wish it wasn't. Right. And I'm thinking, well, right, okay. So associates of wrestlers are there. Just because they're there, it facilitates things if they are there. Then you get the belt staring, and then Jesus Christ. The match itself, I was quite high on. Um, I said yesterday I was going to sell my stock on the Shafir chancer if she didn't step up. Because I've heard about this dark run. I've uh, I've seen glimpses in the Jade Cargill match, but I just don't simply think that you've got time to dick about with prospects in this women's division anymore. You just don't. And I'm sick of seeing obvious winners in matches where it's like, good snap. I'm not watching it as a coach. <laughs> I'm watching it as a fan. I'm sick of seeing it. Like I need this all-star approach that I've made up in my head that has to happen. <laughs> but good account of herself. Tony Storm at various points looked like she was in trouble mm. and not guiding Shafir through a respectable TV match. I was lower on the match, actually. I'd, for me, it was better than the... Of course, it was better than the Thunder Rosa one. They had to, like, literally break disaster. bread on Twitter to make it clear that they weren't hated, <laughs> feared enemies. But it's something to do with... I think they're still... Because I've seen a bit of Shafir on this dark and this dark elevation run, where it, I think it's something to do with her style and then figuring out how to make it work in the context of pro wrestling. Mm. This MMA background thing, it looks clunky and it looks rough. And sometimes it reminds you why wrestling's fake because wrestling looks good. And I think sometimes it's, uh, that could be me being generous, by the way, and Shafir could sometimes be a bit lapsed on her execution. But I think sometimes it's supposed to look like this is, she's like out-muscling people and out-strengthening people. And you watch your MMA world born. And a lot of the time mm-hmm. I'm sitting there, like really bored unless they're kicking each other's heads off because I'm having to watch like this technical thing. Yeah. Know, like, and I just don't understand it. And I sort of feel like sometimes Shafir's matches fall apart in an effort to look legit because that's the style of hers they're trying to get across and she's just not Shayna Baszler or Ronda Rousey in how mm-hmm. you turn that into pro wrestling that might be generous so it's, sometimes it might just be rubbish um, yeah the, the in response to the Nyla Rose being there with Marine Shafir they have um, had Rose and Shafir be allies and tag partners on Dark and Dark of Eleven. I have been keeping up with those shows of late. Yeah, I haven't like, kept up with them right. ever. No one explained this to me. I've been watching them regularly for the first time ever, right, recently, because I've just been like a bit like disillusioned with AW's main product, and I've found that I'm actually quite enjoying just seeing a, a raft of matches. Some of them aren't very good. A couple of them are great. They've also done this with um, Serena Deeb and Mercedes Martinez to definitely build to a Ring of Honor title match, but as a tag team, they're class. They're like Aren't they ba- on Rampage this week? They're yeah. basically um, competing with each other to see who's better in that way where they kind of don't trust one another. And it's like, I'll do it. But then in the meantime, you're getting these awesome moments where it's like, well, we're doing this cool double team, but it's mainly because of me. Well, actually, because it's me. While well, meantime, some poor job is screaming for the life. <laughs> it's it's good stuff, right? Um, Anna Jay previously, I forget who she was with. Um, Athena and Chris Statlander have obviously been pretty much paired together since Athena debuted. The baddies before Red Velvet's injury, and now I guess adding another baddie is the idea is that they're going to be a tag team underneath Jade. I'm starting to think they might be wanting to introduce women's tag titles. Oh, it suddenly dawned on me as you were running through that. The, and like I went, you you oh are assembling God. enough pairs to 
like in their minds, justify more belts, more tournaments. Because like, WWE would have had belts about three tag teams before before yeah. you mentioned them. And Sid <laughs> is world's crumbling. <laughs> and based on uh, the Mid Atlantic title and the trios, all Atlantic title, the, the all Atlantic title, the trios that will happen. Suddenly, there is precedence of being like, you know what we need? We, you know what we need? AEW Dynamite and AEW Dynamite. We need more titles. That's what makes it. Might not. Might it's just my speculation. Who won the the timing game? We we never got to the bottom of that. You do. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, enjoy the world building that's going on at the moment, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's a reverse Omega yeah, when they add more belts. <laughs> Uh, this is where we got the Darby Allen and Sting and the Shingo and Hiromu Takahashi edition to Forbidden Door. And then and then we got Excalibur running through everything that ever existed. Poor bastard AEW. malfunctioned. He absolutely malfunctioned. I, My heart was broken for him here. Yeah. He, he did. It was quite funny when, like, bless him, he hit a wall. He's been due. Like, he's more than entitled to hit this wall after all these weeks of doing this. I, right, nobody's watching Rampage anymore, right? And interest is low in this pay-per-view. What happens every week? This segment gets clipped. It's become a weekly meme. And if you look at the view count on these videos, it's in at the hundreds of thousands of hours. People want to watch Excalibur racing through, right? If you at this point have become the dreaded casual fan, the casual observer that is absolutely not making time on a Friday for these wet in essential rampage episodes, you always know what's happening because you're always watching this video of Excalibur losing his goddamn mind on a dynamite. <laughs> so I think they've, they've... This was this was peak though, wasn't it? Because it was this week... Next week, because of blood and guts and the pain. They've made a bit out of the poor bastard suffering. It happened one week where we were all like, Jesus Christ, this is taking the piss a bit. And now it's every week in the spot by design for somebody to clip. And you can, after you've watched Dynamite and people are like uploading their the favourite bits, you are guaranteed to see near the top tweets this. I think they're doing it so that, like... This is Tony Khan's brain all the time. What are you witnessing that minute and a half of Excalibur going, and then this, and then this, and then this, and this. It's just, that's, that's Tony Khan's existence. He's like, how can I get that to the people? And it's like, <laughs> I can make Excalibur lose his goddamn mind for a minute and a half on Dynamite, and then somebody will tweet it. I think it, it's now, what we're witnessing, it's supposed to be this. It's not, we might view it as like, what is going on in this frigging company? And Tony Khan's going, why don't people understand what's going on in this company? And he's found a way to make it work. And I've said it a million times before, Tony Khan needs to goddamn realise soon not everyone has got the same level of energy and enthusiasm <laughs> as he does. It's out of touch stuff with the people. Yeah. Genuinely, it's not just a meme of Excalibur doing this. It's like, the look at the main event post-match. Jesus Christ. Well, let's get to it because we are at the main event now. It's Chris Jericho and uh, Lance Archer. Um, Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti came out with it. was a split second. You know, they had the far away shot and Chris Jericho's on there and Sammy's on one side and Tay's on the other. And I was like... It's cool, Daddy. It's cool, hand and stressed as they. And then you get the Moxley entrance and the Tanahashi entrance, and Regal's on commentary, and Moxley and Tanahashi eventually meet at the, the bottom of the ramp, and there's a sort of knowing look between the two of them about the fact they're going to go to war on Sunday, but for now we've got to deal with these bellends. Uh, and they attack before the bell. Uh, Moxley and Jericho brawl out on the floor. Tanahashi and Archer face off in the ring, and, and Archer just brutalizes him early on. Full Nelson bombing comes Jericho. Uh, Tanahashi regains control. He tags in Moxley, who 
nails him, nails some elbows and bites Jericho's face. Um, they brawl outside, but as they're going back in, Sammy Guevara trips Moxley, and that's allowing Jericho and Archer to take him out and take control. Uh, sort of pounce here from Chris Jericho to John Moxley. Uh, they beat him down to uh, throughout the commercial break. When they come back, Moxley gets the uh, knees up on the Jericho Lion Salt, gets over to Tanahashi, hot tag for him. He comes down, takes out both opponents, running elbows, springing crossbody, bit of air guitar in there. Uh, Tanahashi keeps up the attack, fli- flipping senton, gets him a two count. Um, Jericho fights back, tries to put him in the walls, but Tanahashi fights out, hits a code breaker, but Moxley has to come in to break up the pin, and then he takes out uh, Archer with a tope suicida. Uh, Tanahashi avoids the Judas effect, hits a code breaker of his own, goes for the uh, high fly flow, a uh, standing one, but... Jericho rolls through and puts him in the walls, and it's just holding for ages, and he's just torturing him. Tanahashi eventually manages to escape. Uh, then there's just this parade of big moves from all the blokes. Um, a sling blade from Tanahashi. In come Moxley and... Um, Moxley? Moxley and Archer. Uh, huge strikes. Moxley fights out of the blackout, hits a paradigm shift, tags Tanahashi, high fly flow. One, two, three. I'm just going to talk about what happened afterwards here anyway, because it was the schmosh to end all schmozzers. Eddie Kingston and Wheeler, Wheeler Utah run down and brawl with Jericho and Guevara because of blood and guts. Uh, Minoru Suzuki comes out looking like a maniac, <laughs> as he always does. He beats down Wheeler Utah. And then who, who oh, sorry, who came out next? It's, um, it's Moxley's mate. I can always forget what his name is. Shooter! He comes out and gets involved. Officials are there trying to break it all up. The Jericho Appreciation Society come out. Santana and Ortiz are there. There's just all-out brawl going on. And then you suddenly realise that Moxie and Tanahashi are just staring lovingly into each other's eyes in the ring, staring each other down. They don't care about what else is going on. It's those two against each other for the interim AEW Championship on Sunday. Sige, your thoughts on this main event? Uh, just the, right, you know the, right, picture one of the shots where it's like, yeah, quite a wide shot. You can see Tanahashi and Moxley in the ring. You can see all the ridiculous contrived chaos where, again, it never feels like anyone's getting beaten up. Never feels like anyone's in danger. Never feels like it's any hatred. It just feels to me at this point like a blur. I've seen so much of it. The antithesis of like anarchy in the arena, basically. Exactly. Where just, you look and suddenly someone will be busted open. It's just totally redundant. Totally redundant facilitating things that are going to happen in the next in the coming weeks. Think of that picture, right? Text. Me trying to watch Dynamite in front of Mox and Tanahashi and then Dynamite. <laughs> just at this schmoz. <laughs> I thought, honestly, I thought the match was a bit weird. Like, from the get-go, I've I seen loads of praise for it. I'm thinking, really? Um, so you have Mox and Tanner do this cool thing where it's like, right, okay, we're going to beat each other up on Sunday, but for now, let's just take care of these. Then they do the cool United spot where they're running, and then Archer just immediately takes control of Tanahashi. Yeah, I thought that was strange. I'll just give you that. A little bit of, like, shine. It's right. I shouldn't tell you. I shouldn't be telling Tanahashi, how would do this for God's sake? Should I? I don't think I should be telling Tanahashi how to structure a goddamn match, for Christ's sake. He's the best in the freaking world at actually structuring a match and executing the basic principles of a wrestling match. Without yeah, I thought of a dragon screw, Tanner. Uh, uh, keep that one. That's from me. Michael Sidney. There you go. There this you week's five-star review review is brought to you by Mr. H. Tanahashi. <laughs> Another thing that's weird in terms of this match, right, is that now like, at the best of times like the 2012 to 2017 Tanahashi peak. And he was like, and he was incredible for another two years afterwards because he was a bit broken. He was like, I'm not broken. I'm going to, 
I'm still, I'm still, goddamn ace. Look at my body. <laughs> Look at my body. I'm a bit broken, but I'm better for being broken. Yeah. It means I can sell more. And then after 2019 into the pandemic era, it's a very different Tanahashi. Um, and it's not quite the same, but there's so much goodwill extended towards him. And he's still turn it on at the right moments. Doing Tanahashi in kind of a spotlighting what he can do in a tag match that's TV paced, I don't think flattered him at all. He has to really warm up to deliver the full Tanahashi performance. He has to be in that ring for 10, 15 minutes at a time, and he's all limber, and he's all full of adrenaline, and then he turns it on. He can't. He has to warm up these days. He has to warm up, and I couldn't do that. Like He, just, he didn't look like, if you'd never seen him before, and there are people who haven't, mm-hmm. you didn't look like the great main event legend Tanahashi because it's not the right platform for what he can do at this advanced stage of his career. Honestly, my favorite bits of this match were involving John Moxley, like effing and jeffing down the lens. And there's an awesome bit where him and Archer find themselves in each other's past. It's like, I hate you. <laughs> I remember how much I hate you. And it's like, yeah, I hate you too. Let's fucking go. And they had this wonderful little sequence. Um, just oh, they've overcomplicated it, as AEW so often does. I'm depressed that I keep saying this. I also thought very little of the match. I, it really didn't, it like didn't flatter anybody. And Moxley sort of got away with it by just force of will more than anything else. It certainly didn't flatter Chris Jericho. And Archer was there, as we all knew he was there, to be a fall guy, which is even when a that's another thing as well. Even when AEW are trying to, like even when Tony Khan is trying to pretend he's booking stars versus stars, he's throwing in somebody that can get pinned. It's happening yeah. with Aussie Open and Osprey. It's happening with Archer and Jericho, you know, like... If Sammy was in there, there might have been might have been a bit more predictable because he's just turned and it's like, well, do you want to pin him against it? Do you want to commit to anything ever now? And he doesn't. He puts Archer in instead. Um, I was so I'd have been much kinder to the post match chaos. Um, it didn't feel like organic violence. I, I said this at the time. Like it's really hard to make Anarchy in the Arena. That's like such an achievement to make it feel like a real fight. And it didn't feel like a real fight. And it didn't feel like anybody was really was getting hurt. So everybody win on each other. But I did have a lot more time for it because of the involvement of Minoru Suzuki as if from nowhere and shooter unannounced. And it's, 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 there's been a distinct lack of danger, of threat, of anything really to do mm. with it. It's neither one thing or the other. It's not an invasion because half of them are like the mates. You know, you've got the Sting's dudes with attitudes. Mm-hmm. Friend, New Japan aren't this invading company. But like it did start with a handshake. So there's a working relationship it's not it's not really clear what forbidden door is or why it's happening or anything and then just for a split second it was like these are people that are not here all the time and they're here to fight and i got something out of that you know i just felt a little bit of something for just all the action taking place at the same time it didn't matter that they were trying to build blood and guts and trying to build a pay-per-view and then they got the timing wrong and like tanahashi and moxley are staring at each other for absolutely ages and it just gets a little bit awkward and it's like oh you've you've gone early here haven't you and, it f- and then it feels fake. It feels really fake because they're just still staring at each other. And it's like, please be out of time. Please be out of time. Please be out of time. Still staring. Like, we're recording do- this at midday UK time and I haven't checked Twitter to see if they've stopped staring at each other yet. <laughs> it's just, it was too awkward to work in that way when as nice and cathartic as it was to just see John Moxley celebrating in the ring on that episode of Dynamite mm-hmm. that time when they got the timing wrong then. It was like it was Suzuki, they'd cut Kazanina Ray. And then they had all this time left at the end of the show because they got the timing wrong. This is what happens when wrestling gets a timing. It's kind of a disaster. You know, the, the veil's lifted and it's a bit like it breaks suspension disbelief. And it was a shame. 
because I, I didn't really mind the brawl. Mm. I, I think the idea of them two no selling the brawl to stare at one another for the interim belt, I think that would have been as epic feeling as it would if it was just Tony, like Tony Schiavone screaming that they're out of time and you get one quick glimpse of it. I think that would have worked. There's like four minutes left. There's ages left. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like the thing, remember last week where it was like it finished and then if you went some places you could watch the bit with him telling Jungle Boy's mum yeah. that he'd raised, she'd raised a piece of shit, basically. Very much the uh, red. And I was looking at the timer when it, one, two, three happened and I was like, oh, okay. And then the brawl broke out and I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, so what's going to happen is they're going to stare at each other and they go, okay, that's for Sunday. Anyway, let's deal with what's going on on the outside. And maybe they're going to clear everyone out of there. And then, like you said, they just stood there and I was like, guys, what's happening, guys? Guys. Like, it was such a surreal ending to the show that could have been, yeah, perfect. Yeah, before we finish up, I just want to say one more thing. Sorry, I know we've gone long. This is in no way an endorsement of WWE's horrifically overproduced and, you know, timed out mm-hmm. formulaic bollocks. But... After three years, there are still so many examples of AEW being absolute amateur hour when it comes to TV production and pacing the shows. Cutting to fans on phones. It's happening all the time at the moment. Cutting to fans on phones. This needs to stop. One more thing, actually. (laughs) While you're correct in that regard, did you notice when Christian Cage is cutting that promo and the entire crowd is going, shut the fuck up. Cut to like an 11 year old kid <laughs> for like a split second going, shut the fuck. Uh, it's great. <laughs> give me uh, that, give me a weekend show so I can get my kids into AEW because I kind of watched Dynamite and Rampage. And, uh, <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWW. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. I want to relive the glory days of AEW. <laughs> <laughs> My brilliant book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, on Amazon right now. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be previewing Rampage and talking about the potential replacements for Brian Danielson at Forbidden Door. And later on today, we're going to be doing a full Forbidden Door preview for you. And if you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, that'll drop in your feed as soon as it is released. But for now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.